Hi, friends. Merry Christmas. Welcome to week three of our That Sounds Fun Christmas party. Oh, I just love it. And listen, this time last year is when we went from every other week posting to having a podcast every week. That was the surprise of the Christmas party. And trust me, we've got some surprises coming for you as well this year. But so far, it's been so fun with the girls and Russ Ramsey from She Reads Truth and He Reads Truth talking about Advent. This is week one of Advent, if you're listening to it, when this podcast comes out. And so far, the She Reads Truth study has been incredible. So I hope you are doing that along with us. And then last week, we had Sharon Miller, who I just loved, and you guys did too. I've loved seeing your response to it. So I'm so, so glad that you are enjoying that episode. And as we like to do the Christmas party, I love to bring in some Christmas music. And I think I've told you this, but maybe I haven't. This Christmas song you hear in the background is from my friend John McLaughlin, one of my favorite singer-songwriters. He has a new Christmas EP out called Red and Green. You should definitely pick that up and tune in in just a couple of weeks. He will be on the podcast. You got to talk to the musician who's playing piano in the background of your party. So that make sure you grab that album from John McLaughlin. Today is going to be incredibly fun. It is one of my very first writing friends that I ever had that worked in the bloggy world, that was in this kind of writing world, Melanie Shankel. You probably know her as Big Mama, the blogger. She is just hilarious, y'all. She's just hilarious, and you're totally going to love her. So she is with us today. We're talking all about her new book, Church of the Small Things. But then, of course, we talk about everything else, including Christmas, how we should be dressing this year because... You know, she loves her some fashion talk. And we just laughed. We laughed. That's what we do. So hope you enjoy this conversation, this Christmassy conversation with my sweet friend, Melanie Shankel. Hey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. You're in your pajamas, which makes me jealous because I am. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm under a deadline. I've got like a December like 10th deadline that I'm way behind on. And so I'm having all pajama week so that I'm hopefully getting stuff done inside my house. Okay. Listen, can we just talk about deadlines for a second? (laughs) Because they're terrible. They're terrible. And I don't know why I keep doing it to myself. Like, Right? Why do I keep agreeing? I'm like, oh, that'll be like fine. Like which part? Agreeing to write something or, <laughs> or waiting till the last all minute to write it? <laughs> all of the above. All of the above. I'm like, I'm a procrastinator. I know that. And like, I'm doing this like tween devotional right now. So it's a different division of Zondervan. But I'm laughing because the editor, she's so good because she's so on it. But she's like, she's got like me on this like calendar. So I'm like, heard about me because she's like, we're going to need like day 45 by whatever time. So like I had to tell her last week, like, look, um, not so much day 45, but I'm going to send you day 20. And we're going to pretend like that's the new 45. I mean, like that's, that's <laughs> what I can offer you today. Oh my gosh. So wait, can you say who's her name? Is it Dawn? No, it's Jillian. Okay. Jillian. Cause you know, that's who a hundred days to brave is with, is with that same team. But this one is with the Zondra Kids team. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's right. Okay. But I did do a devotional with, so I've got Jennifer, but that one thankfully is already done. So Jennifer was my editor on the same team that did your 100 Days to Brave, that group. And it just, the problem is we don't really get to complain about deadlines because we are doing what we've always wanted to do. Yes, But also there are deadlines that are hard to do, hard to know what to do with them. 
Yes. And I'm like, and it's become a joke where I'm like, Perry's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, I'm devoting, you know, I'm uh-huh. hopelessly uh-huh. devoting uh-huh. is what I'm doing every day. <laughs> devoting. Oh, hopelessly listen, devoting. I hear you. And, and like the staying in pajamas thing is kind of the best part of having a deadline. But also when I stay in my pajamas, if I don't make my bed, there's a real chance we're having a re-encounter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the truth. The good news is for me, the dogs don't let me get back in bed. Like they're kind of my accountability partners because they like me on the couch. And so, and I don't let them get in the bed. Oh, so you write from like, the couch? I write on the couch. No oh, way, yeah. Mel. Do you, uh-huh. you just hold yeah. your laptop in your lap? Yeah, I just sit here. Yep, on the couch. I don't okay. have an office. I mean, I'm not Down's books over oh, here. Oh, get There's out of here. No, like, which P.S. You know, currently my office is my is my dining room where I sold the table and put a desk. <laughs> so don't you worry about that. Drink. It's real. It's real fancy. There was a minute when we had an office, but it just got to be. Um, it it just didn't make sense anymore. It made sense when it made sense, and then it didn't make sense anymore. So we brought it back home. Yeah, I know. That's kind of, I mean, I'm like, my office consists of, I have some boxes of books that are in our playroom where yes. Caroline hangs out with her friends. And um, and then the couch. I sit on the couch is where I do my work. Let's just talk for a minute about boxes of books because a couple of months ago, I had Lisa Welch, uh, Lisa Welch, I don't know her. I had Lisa Whittle on the show. I had Blair. Blair yeah, Warner. I had Blair from Blair. The Facts of Life. Blair, if you're yeah. out there, I would love to talk to you, but I don't currently know you. Um, I had Lisa Whittle on the show. And, you know, she, like you and I, she has multiple books. And she just puts them in her garage like she doesn't separate them by book. Do you separate your books? Like, do you have? No, Mel. no, no. Do you? Melanie Shankle. Are you telling me that in your playroom, there is a box and it has like some antelope books in it and some yeah. cuter than you books? Yep. Oh, yep. Lord. Do you know how many of each you have in your playroom? Nope. Oh, nope. Couldn't even bless tell you. Bless the if- Lord. Bless the Lord. If they're in a sealed box, now I do have, since the new book just came out, I do still have like maybe two sealed boxes that the publisher sent me of those. So those I can look and go, okay, there's, I don't know, 25 in there, 50. I don't even know. I have no idea how many. I mean, Annie, you would be so horrified. Like when I go to events to like sell books, like later they'll be like, like if they do it for me or something, they'll be like, how many books did you bring? I'm like, I don't know. Just <laughs> let's, let's estimate. Let's oh let's say let's say I carried in three boxes, so that's probably eighty books. I, I I'm the worst. I'm the worst business person, you know. Oh my gosh, I'm laughing so hard. Let me tell you about my yesterday. Me and Maggie, who works with me, sat on my floor for forty minutes to figure out because when we got back from an event, there was a. 30, no, there was a $40 difference between how many books we thought we had sold and how much cash we had on hand. And we spent half an hour trying to find that $40. You don't do that. Um, See, no, I would say that's going to come out in the wash. That's either like, I I just, Lord, I trust you with it. You're going to do something good with that deficit. But I can't. Oh my gosh. Lord, I believe you. Help me in my unbelief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna send these books. I mean, like, I don't know. It's just it drives. Yeah, it and you know, Gully does a lot of my stuff for me. Like in terms of like, I when didn't I, know that Gully works with you. Gully is my. She's my booking person. She's my. Oh my um, gosh. That's like secret. That's like my. But she goes by Amy Fisher, which is her real name. But she does all that for me because it's just easier because she knows me so well. Like. 
and you know, I'm not really there again, I'm not very business minded. And so it's good for me because if I get invited to speak somewhere, I'm like, yeah, I'll do that. And she's like, you're not going to want to do that. I'm going to say no. And she's right every time. You know what I mean? Like she knows me better than I know myself. She's like, you're in a good mood today. So we're going to revisit that in 48 hours. Oh, listen, Eliza handles me beautifully like that too, where she'll go like, we're not going to talk about this today because I hear that you're a mess. But like in a couple of days, I have a question for you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then we're going to talk about it. But today we're not. But like she gets nervous about this. She's like, I'm trying to track down for you. Like, what did you spend or what was this or whatever? I'm like, I don't know. I didn't I didn't save any receipts. I don't know how many books I brought. I don't know. It drives her crazy. And I'm like, I'm sorry. We're just going to have to operate under a loose system. I'm just. Mel, I am laughing so hard that you don't. I mean, I. Yeah. The deeper thing it tells me is that you probably actually just trust God more than I do. (laughs) Because I'm like, oh, I'm counting every penny because one of these days God is not going to take care of me and I'm going to have to take care of myself. And that's not true. No, no, I appreciate you giving me that spiritual, uh, the spiritual props. But I think really it's a testament to my complete laziness and my fear of math. I mean, like I just... I don't want to get into it. Like it, it just stresses me out. And like I was in an event a while back and for whatever reason, there was a miscommunication and they... It said I was selling my books for like $5 less than what I normally sell them for. And I was just like, okay, all right, that's fine. I mean, like, just like, all right, we've already announced it. It's cool. It'll yeah, all come out. Yeah. I could, I can feel that with you. I just would actually know how many books were there and how many I brought home. Yeah. But the good news was for that particular event, I, you would be shocked at like the the amount of books I did not sell. So it really worked out. I felt like God took care of me because it wasn't like I had to look back and be like, man, we sold a hundred books. So it was like, well, we sold five books that I yeah. made $5 less on. So yes. that was a, what is that? $25 so hit. All will be fine. That. Yeah, that's right. It's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. It'll so, all come out in the wash, as you say. Yes, it does. It We're going to be fine. Even Steven. I'm yeah. like, remember the Seinfeld? episode, even Steven. Yes. I'm like, I believe it. I'm even Steven. It all, a hundred dollars comes oh my out. Lord. I get a bill for a hundred dollars. It goes right back out. It's just, it yeah. just all. Hey, that's out. the truth is it's like real fun to deposit money in the bank until you realize like I've probably already used that somehow somewhere else. Yes. Oh, exactly. And I do that with like my shopping too. Like I'm like, well, I bought those three tops from anthropology, but I'm returning two of them, which means that I can buy three more from yeah. three people. And somehow... <laughs> Okay, listen, here's the thing. This episode, we are in the smack middle of our Christmas party, the That Sounds Fun Christmas party. And so one of the first things I was going to ask you is where do you go when it is time to buy an outfit for a Christmas party? Where's your like go-to place? Let's do a casual party and a glitzy party. Okay. I think you would be, okay, first of all, let's say you would be shocked at how few parties I attend. Um, (laughs) Annie, my first comment is I don't party. I don't go to parties. I tend to, there again, that's the optimist in me. I'll, we'll get an invitation. And I'll be like, oh my gosh, that'll be so fun. And I'll spend weeks worried about what I'm going to wear. And then it comes the night of and Perry's like, do you really want to go? And I'm like, no, I think I'm good. Let's just stay. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's like, I, know. I, I can't a, blame you. I can't, but you can't use the like, um, it's really cold here. So we stay inside because you're in the middle of Texas. No, it's not cold here. I mean, no, it's like maybe it's 80 degrees and I was going to wear velvet. So I can't yeah. go. You know, like that's the closest. <laughs> I had velvet planned and I will show up in nothing less than. So I will not exactly. show up. So I cannot show up. <laughs> uh, 
I laughed so hard because I saw that Michael and it, uh, her little nest fest deal had put up like a little sign that said, ain't no party like an introvert party because an introvert party don't start. Oh and I my thought, gosh. That's my life mantra. Yes. Like that's like, <laughs> wait, I where did you get well. to see Michael in? Yeah. Um, I didn't, I just on Instagram where I see everybody oh, because oh, oh, oh. I don't right. leave my house, but she had put it up on like her little bulletin board. <laughs> and I was like, I so relate to that. Um, okay. But if I were to go to a party, I feel like Nordstrom is always my first go-to. Yeah. Do y'all have a Nordstrom rack? We do have a Nordstrom rack and I'm going to tell you what's life-changing for me. So we have a Nordstrom and a Nordstrom rack. The Nordstrom is about a 20 minute drive for me. The Nordstrom rack is right around the corner, but you can order off of Nordstrom.com, which is free shipping, but I can return things to the Nordstrom rack right around my house. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it's a game changer because what I have learned is our Nordstrom, what I hear from people in the know is our Nordstrom is really like a C-level Nordstrom. Like it's not, it's not a great Nordstrom. Like if you were to go to like Dallas has a great Nordstrom, like Nashville probably has a great Nordstrom, but San Antonio has a mid-level Nordstrom. So there's a better selection online. And so to me, I would, I would order online and then I would return anything I don't want to Nordstrom Rack. And therefore giving yourself permission to go ahead and shop while you're in Nordstrom Rack because you're returning the clothes. Exactly. Because I'm returning clothes. So at that point, then I'm making money for myself. Yeah. yeah, I actually have just, speaking of money coming out in the wash from an event, that is how I fix it. I take clothes back. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then that. Yeah, I take the clothes back and then it all works out. But really what I would get this year if I were going to a Christmas party is I feel like velvet is a big thing. And there are lots of great, um, Nordstrom actually has um, several different great options for velvet leggings. Um, everything from like a pair of Spanx velvet leggings to um, like just like a Nordstrom level, like $25 velvet legging. Um, and and then there's also some AG that are really pricey, but like velvet jeans. Like if I were really fancy, I would get those. Um, but because I think if you get those with a good pair of heels and some sort of sparkly top, which I feel like you can find pretty much anywhere, then you've got an outfit that transitions. Because I think you could just do the velvet leggings with a sweater for a casual Christmas party. And then I think you could find yourself a little glittery top to wear to a dressier. Well, don't you know I want to find me a glittery top. Well, I know you do. A gold glittery. Anthropology actually had a really, really good gold glittery top. And they even had some kind of gold lame-ish, like wide-legged pants with an elastic waistband. What? That doesn't feel like something we're ever allowed to have. That feels like more than. They're like, I know, they're like pajamas. They're like essentially dressy pajamas. But they kind of remind me of something that like maybe Mrs. Roper on Three's Company would have worn to like a Christmas party. (laughs) But for some reason, is it 100% acceptable in 2017? Exactly. And so, but they're flowy. But like, I think you could wear those with an oversized sweater and just have like kind of this whole chic, like loungy looking thing with some little velvet mules and you're done. Yeah. That's what I would do. Okay. That's what I would do for my hypothetical Christmas party that I'm probably not going to. Were to, were you to attend a Christmas party, that's what you would do. That is what I would wear. <laughs> that those would be my go-to. But I feel like my go-tos are Nordstrom, Anthropology, and then occasionally Free People. Yeah, Free People has become a real go and Madewell is a go-to for me as well. Okay, really? Because I I love Madewell in theory, and I do have some Madewell stuff. But I feel like a lot of times it does not end up 
fitting me in reality like I think it's going to. I have the same problem with J. Crew. I feel like Madewell and J. Crew are two birds of a feather for me. Yeah, I think you're actually right. I think they are, for some reason, they do size similarly, don't they? Yeah. And like sometimes I see stuff and I'm like, it doesn't work for me the way it, I think it's going to work for me. Yes. Listen, let me tell you about this. Two weeks ago, I was at an event and I was backstage with a lot of women in our age bracket, like thirties. And someone said, where's your top from? That's your age bracket. (laughs) (laughs) Mid thirties, mid thirties to mid 42. Okay. Whatever. Okay. Okay. We'll go with that. Trust me. You're going to want to be in this us with me (laughs) when I give you the other options. Perfect. And so, so what happens is we're in this conversation about my shirt and they say, Oh, Annie, we like your shirt so much. And I'm like, thank you so much. It's from Ann Taylor loft. And then we all kind of had this moment of pause and I was like, Oh yeah, that's some, somewhere we shop now. Like 10 years ago, I did not shop at Ann Taylor loft. I yes. shopped at Forever 21 and H&M. Yeah. And now I have, there was a time when I would not have walked into Ann Taylor Loft and now I love it. I know. Yeah, I agree. It's a little, but it's a different demographic, right? Like I would never, if I were like taking Caroline shopping, of course, obviously I'd never be like, hey babe, let's go in Ann Taylor Loft. I mean, that would be like, let's go in Chico's, you know? Right. You just, you- <laughs> That's my fear is I'm knocking on the door of Talbot's. If I love Ann Taylor Loft, am I knocking on the door of Talbot's? Yeah. Well, and I'm going to tell you this. If I hear you say the word soft surroundings to me, I'm flying to Nashville <laughs> and I'm having an intervention. Because uh, my mom loves Talbot's and she looks beautiful in Talbot's. Yes, but my mom is my mom. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Yes. It's age appropriate. But what I mean, this tells me is that we are, we are, we are graduating. We are graduating. Yeah, it's going to happen. And it, I mean, the truth is, is that it needs to. I mean, you know, you, it's a natural thing because, and I think for me, like having a teenage daughter, you become very aware of like the trends that you can't wear because you're a mom, you know, like, um, like I take it as a real compliment if Caroline wants to borrow something out of my closet, but it's usually like a sweater. It's something pretty basic, you know, but like she is not going to get into like my free people tunics because those look a little momish to her, you know, which to me, I feel like are young and fashion forward, but to her, not so much. That's the sentence that terrifies me, right? Because I look at what I wear and I'm like, nailed it. And then I'm like, oh, oh, shoot. I nailed it because I'm in my mid thirties. Okay. All right. That's right. Because it's a different thing. And I think that too, okay. So I asked this question on Twitter just yesterday, but I think the fashion bloggers, I follow a lot of fashion bloggers on Instagram because I love to see, but I think it skews you there again, because most of them, I think, are probably younger than us. Um, and so I really got in this thing yesterday where I was like, I, when over the knee boots first started coming out like two years ago, I was like, clearly that's a no. Like, clearly that is not going to take off. That's Julia Roberts. That's pretty woman. That has a lot of connotations. I don't think that's a real thing. But now when you look at the fashion bloggers, everybody has them. And so I had this moment of delusion yesterday where I was like, am I supposed to have a pair of over the knee boots? And I felt like Twitter cleared up for me really quickly that, no, I'm not. (laughs) Twitter told you right away, like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't get the over the knee boots. Because you forget that those fashion bloggers are like all six feet tall and their legs are like five foot ten of that. And so, of course, they look good. Whereas I would look like, I don't know, I was going shrimping if I put on (laughs) over the knee boots. Going shrimping. As I do on so many occasions. <laughs> one of my dearest friends got a tank top one time, a, a, like a airbrushed one, and it said shrimp and ain't easy. 
I say, there you go. That's what I need. I could wear that with fire for the need. My pastor's wife here in Nashville, Ree, she and I were sitting talking the other day about Forever 21 because their daughters love shopping there. And And the first thing I said is it's just so loud when we go in there. And I was like, what has happened to me? <laughs> it is. It is. It's the same. And like when you go in Abercrombie and you're like, this perfume is driving me crazy. <laughs> right. I have a headache passing the store. And then I'm like, hey, 16-year-old Annie, you yeah. don't exist anymore. <laughs> no, you are gone. You're you a memory gone. that I barely remember. Yeah, I know. It's real sad. And it's like, because I go in there with Caroline, you know, we go into a lot of those stores. Because what I'm grade like, is she I'm, in now? Is she seventh grade? She's no, she's a freshman in high school. <gasps> Lord help us. How is that I know. real? Can you believe it? Wait, I know. is she's a freshman Alex in high school. Hudson a freshman as well? No, because he's, they did a transition year. So he's, a, he's, he's older than Caroline, but he's an eighth grader. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. I knew they were around the same age. Got it. Yeah. So they're the same age, but she's going to actually graduate. That was a poor planning on my part. I should have held her back a year because now I'm like, oh my gosh, like we, we're not ready for high school, but here we are. Right. Yeah. So she's a freshman in high school. So like we did the full, like had to shop for like homecoming dresses and stuff. Yes. This year. I saw it was, be- yeah, my brain yeah. saw that. I guess I just didn't register that was not eighth grade. Well, no, because like you've known her since I was like, she's three. We're trying to get rid of her pacifier. Right. You know? I mean, right. really, was it not just yesterday that we were celebrating her going to kindergarten? For real, we were celebrating her going to kindergarten. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I remember it, a backpack story about her going right. to kindergarten. Because you came here that summer. Remember, yes. you had been here and she got her backpack and she was starting kindergarten and all that stuff. And now she's in high school and she doesn't carry that same backpack. Well, anymore. thank you. I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> she's Which graduated is from it. good for her. Yeah, it's good for her. <laughs> she will want it in college. She'll loop back to it because it'll be trendy again. It'll be like super retro. Uh, yeah, the hot pink with I was the about to say, with the hot pink. Top. Yeah, it was hot yeah. pink. <laughs> oh, and she loves an Abercrombie. I can't blame yeah. her. Yeah. I know. Yeah. I mean, it's just that whole, but she's all about, you know, their age group. It's all about the athleisure, which I can get on board with. I mean, we're all about some Adidas, some leggings, some sweatshirts, that kind of stuff. Oh yeah. That, that um, spans the generations. It does. It does. I feel like that's every woman's love language is pants without zippers or buttons. Oh, listen, give me a pair of like, there's a store here in Nashville called Haley B and they get a lot of interesting leggings, not just like plain black to wear okay. a long sweater with, but they get some like yeah. textured ones and some cool, that I call cool, which I've lost the ability to know if that's actually cool anymore, but yeah. I think they look cool. And and I'm like, give me all of them. I'll take all of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so comfortable because it's like pajamas you can wear outside of your house. And are you the kind of person when it, I mean, to say winter in Texas is probably not exactly what most of our friends who are listening experience as winter, but are you, same as a little bit's true in Tennessee though. It gets, I mean, when it's starting to get cold, like when it's cold, like it is now, I don't want to leave my house without clothes that touch me everywhere. Oh, for sure. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, totally bundled up. And I mean, because I think the thing in Texas and we're the same is like I can wear like most days I could wear leggings and just like a sweater and then that's it. I don't need a coat. You know, I'm not I'm not wearing a coat. I'm just wearing something super easy and comfortable. So that's that's where I'm going to be. And I felt like this year when like the shorter shirt started coming back in, I was like, well, this is how you become that person whose style never changes. You know how like your grandma always wore the same stuff, uh-huh. but you're like, this is how that happens. Like, you know, my grandkids will just be like, oh, that's grandma. She just wears leggings and tunics. Right. That's what she I mean, that's why last summer I had to like stop wearing kimonos on every stage where I was speaking. Because I was like, I'm becoming her. 
I'm becoming the girl who has a speaking kimono constantly. <laughs> but I feel like you're really like almost a brand ambassador for the kimono because every time I would see you in one, it would make me want one. I know, right? So someone called Captain Kimono and started to get me free ones because that's not the story. I still have to buy them. But now I see them in the store and I'm like, oh my gosh, I love that kimono. No, Annie, no, you may not. Walk away. Walk away. You have quite, I mean, I had to, I had a black one with flowers on it that uh-huh. I wore on stage so much that I was... At a repeat event, I was my second time doing the event, and they showed the recap video, and I had on the same outfit. Nah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. I, and so I had to give it to Goodwill, and I went to try to pull it out of my closet two weeks ago, and I was like, oh, that's the one thing I want to wear today. Glad I gave it away because uh, I would have done it. <laughs> I would have done it. I'd have worn it and had a three-peat. I know. I that's worn it. I'd have done it. Yeah. Hey, Mel, when we were planning this podcast together, the gals who work with you sent me a list of questions to ask you, and I laughed at it because I was yeah. like, do you think we won't be able to handle this? And here we are half an hour fun. in, and we've literally done fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we've been – well, I laughed because when they sent me the email, they were like, Annie Downs will be contacting you with a link. And then they said, she doesn't ask questions because it just – and I'm like, of course she doesn't ask questions. If Annie Downs had sent me like a list of here are the questions I'm going to ask you, I'd have been like, what's the problem? Why – why do I have this list of questions? Yeah, you've been like, are we in a fight answer. and I don't know it? <laughs> yeah, it's not like some one of the interviews I did. You know how you do all these different interviews when you have a book or something come out? And like one of them I literally did. And like halfway through, the, the, the girl was like, well, your book, I may actually have to read it. It sounds good. And I was like, okay, well, su- super glad that you were obviously real excited to have me on your show. <laughs> you know what? After hearing you, I think I'd like to read something you've written. I was just doing this because my boss told me I had to, but now I I actually read it. Well, that is what you can know is true about being here on That Sounds Fun, particularly at our Christmas party, because I only bring the best to the Christmas party. It's because... I lit. I mean, you know this. I literally only have my friends on the show. Well, yeah. And so the times that people email and say, "Hey, can we put this author on the show? Can we? We'd love for you to interview this person." I'm like, I wouldn't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, I don't really ask so many like questions. I mean, you know, like it's not so much a like a professional like what drives you or whatever. I don't know how to do that. I know that's how Sophie and I we're the same way on ours. You know, we're just like, yeah, we don't really we're we're not really the kind that you want to come on to like you know, I don't know, advertise your product right, or whatever. Right. It's not really our Listen, strong Y'all suit. started a podcasting years before it was a thing. What made you start doing that? We were pioneers. You I'm going to tell you, I mean, like, I think Annie, we started it in like 2007 is what we've determined. For sure you did. And yeah, because that's when I said this to Sophie on her episode, but I got a speeding ticket one time when I was listening to y'all. <laughs> And it was when I was still teaching school. So it was for sure 2006 or seven. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's been forever ago. Yeah. So, you know, David, her husband is, t- is a techie guy. And so I think he was the one that said, y'all ought to do a podcast. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. I don't, I don't know what that is. Because it really was at the time, I really didn't know what it was. And so it was like, you just record. But so Sophie handles all the technical aspect of it. Like if it were up to me to have to figure out how to record it, all I know how to do is get on Skype. That's that's what I bring to the table is that I get on Skype and then she sent me a link to some microphone that I have that I ordered that I actually dropped this morning. So I hope it is working okay today. 
But like when we first started, she was like, you need to get a microphone and a headset. So I went to like Office Max and I bought one that like was a built in like headset mic combo for like $11. And that's what I used up until like a year ago. And she was like, you need to get a better microphone situation. Um, And so we started that podcast, which just blows my mind that we did that. I mean, now we haven't even had a hundred episodes yet. How many, I bet you've already had more than a hundred episodes. No, we're in the, in the seventies. Okay. Yeah. All right. But you're close. Cause you've yeah. been doing it. What? Two years, year since 15. So three, two, okay. two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. So like two and a half years. So we've been doing it 10 years. We're not to a hundred episodes yeah. yet. So <laughs> clearly, and we say there were like three years there where we just quit doing it. Cause I couldn't get my AT&T internet connection to work well enough. And so like, instead of calling AT&T, we just like quit podcast. I was like, well, we just can't cause my internet doesn't work. So <laughs> what do you love about doing it? What makes you still doing it? I mean, to me, it's fun and it's easy. And it's just like having a conversation. I mean, Sophie and I are like you and I are right now. It's like, it, I'm like, it really is like people have just decided to listen in our phone conversation. Like we're talking about exactly what we would if we were on the phone together and there's no filter. We don't go back and edit it. I mean, it's really rare that she'll be like, oh, I took that out. And usually if she takes something out, it's like that was five minutes of like the dog barking or one of the kids coming in or whatever. But like, we just go and we just talk. And it's, I think what stuns me is that people love it. Like I felt like as I just got done doing like book signings and stuff, I said, it's the, it's the most flabbergasting thing to me. The women that are like, I love y'all's podcast. That podcast is just my favorite thing. And I just, I want to go really like, cause I think here's the thing, you know, this, like we will toil and labor and pull our hair out and cry real tears over like writing books. Like I will just, it just takes everything out of me. And I feel like people are like, huh, so you wrote a book. That's exciting. I might pick it out from my library in six months or whatever and get it. But the podcast, people are like, I love it. It's the best thing ever. And I'm like, well, that's the easiest dadgum thing I do, you know, and it's fun. So I'm like, that's why I love doing it because it's like, and I think it gives people a sense of like, we so to me to go a little bit deeper, but I think we just long for community. And I think it gives women a, a place to just listen and laugh and know that they're not alone and that the rest of us are all trying, trying to figure out how to shop at the loft and all that stuff. You know, that that's, we're all in it together. We're all struggling in it together. Yeah, that's right. I, and I, what I have found is it almost has this, it almost feels like the same relationship I had with readers when I was a consistent blogger. Yes. Which yes. I think you are a consistent blogger still, aren't you? I'm not as good. I mean, I was just thinking, I was like, I don't think, I mean, I still do Fashion Friday every week because I just love doing it and it's easy, but like, um, and I'll get back to, but I don't blog. I mean, to me, if I get up two, three blog posts a week, I feel like I'm doing great at this point. It just doesn't happen. But so much of that is number one, I'm so busy writing other stuff. So I just don't have that much. And then the other thing is my stage of life because so much of my blog was built around Caroline and her childhood and being a mom and all that stuff. And now that she's in high school, guess what you don't want your mom writing about you on the internet. So, um, you know, like guess who had a bad grade on a test today? You know, I've been like, you're not going to put that stuff out there. So it just, it changes. So there's only so much interesting that happens in a day. Yeah. And I just find that my friends who listen to the podcast, it's it's a very similar experience, Mel, that I've started having people like introduce me on stage as the host of That Sounds Fun. And I'm like, wait, I write books too. Like I, I, this isn't my job. This is what I do for fun. But I think because people really feel like 
they are friends with us when they hear our podcast, and I want them to. I feel the same way, right? When they come up to me at airports or restaurants or in signing lines or whatever, and they go like, hey, I love the episode with so-and-so, or I know this is crazy. I mean, I'm sure you hear us too. I hear, I know this is crazy, but I feel like we're already friends. I was like, no, no, no. I feel that too. That's why I do the podcast. That is who I think about is the people that that have us in their ears when they're living their lives, and it's our chance to hang out with them. And 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 that kind of feels like how the blog used to feel in 2006. Yeah, I totally agree. I think it's a way to connect with people. And it does feel like and I tell people all the time when they're like, I mean, I know you don't know me, but I feel like we'd be friends. And I'm like, here's the deal. If you listen to 45 minutes of that nonsense, and it makes you laugh, then we are friends. Like, (laughs) then we would be friends because I am aware there are probably some other people that are like, this is total nonsense. And I am now dumber for listening to this and they click off. And I'm like, those people probably wouldn't really like me in real life. But the people who listen and laugh and like choose to do that while they're carpooling or folding laundry or whatever, I'm like, you're my people. Like yeah. we're friends. Yeah. That's exactly how I feel. I'm like, if you, if you've made it this far into this podcast, then we, you would like sitting on a couch with us. Cause this is what it's really like. I mean, that's what I was picturing today before we were recording. I was like, if Mel and I showed up at a Christmas party and we hadn't seen each other in six months, we would get a plate of food and we would go to the corner and do exactly what we're about to do on this podcast. That's exactly right. <laughs> Except exactly I would use more right. real names. If I had a crush on a boy, I'd be telling you more of that. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Some stuff you can't totally put out there, but that's, that's right, okay. That's right. but, but pretty close. Yeah, pretty, pretty close. close. And I think that that's what makes podcasting really fun for me. And also at times for in my podcast and the ones I've been on, it can also be a point of pain because I say things that that give me a little bit of a vulnerability hangover later. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I think to me is, uh, I don't know, because you, uh, it's, it's a way to open up because when you write, I think you filter yourself a little bit more because you can go back and go, oh, I don't know that I'm going to say that or whatever. Um, or it's on a podcast sometimes I'm like, it's just all out there. I mean, like Sophie and I recorded one. I don't think it's come up yet, but I was like, this is like the Debbie Downer podcast of all podcasts. Like I was so raw and so unfiltered that even Sophie after she was like, I think I'm going to go back and edit some of that out. Like, I think maybe you didn't mean for that to come across maybe as harsh as it did. (laughs) And the other thing about books is we can put it in a book and put it in chapter 48. And like people are going to get there. They're going to talk about that. They've had this longer experience, this longer time with us versus like when I hit that spot, in a conversation on a podcast, they've only been with us 30 minutes and it's right in their ears. And then they may see me that Friday at a coffee shop or at their church or in an airport. And it is very fresh to them and still very fresh to me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's the whole thing. But also, I mean, there's a reason we keep doing it. We keep doing it because this is in some weird world that I don't think I totally understand. This is a part of what ministry looks like now and what friendship looks like now of going like, no, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say everything, but I'm going to say a lot of the real stuff. And I'm okay if people that don't have my phone number or know where I live can hear me say the real stuff, because that's part of being in front of each other and doing ministry well in the world of social media. Yeah, I think it's such a, you know, I've really said, I feel like as I have, um, you know, really fully embraced my Ann Taylor Loft mid 40 years that I'm in. To me, the whole thing is, is I don't want to, I know for myself, like on social media, because I think there's so many 
different lives that are out there in front of us. And they're people that we can follow. And, you know, every, and I follow everybody from like Bruno Mars to Mindy Kaling to Beth Moore. You know what I mean? So a yeah. wide variety of voices. But I think that my biggest thing has become like, if I don't see something in your life, like in your real life, not just what you're saying on stage or not just what you're writing in books, if I don't see something in your real life that is some sort of like fruit that I want to emulate or have in my own life, then I'm not interested in how pretty you can say it on a page. Like, and I'm not interested in how well you can present it on a stage. Like I want to see like the real you. And so I think for, for people to be authentic. And, and so I want to try to be that for people because I realize there are people that read my words and I'm up on a stage where I'm like, no, this really is how I live my life. Like I, I really am like, I really am going to choose to be at Caroline's soccer game over at some big ministry event. Like that really is where my heart is right now. And that's not just something I say, to try to sound relatable, you know, cause I just think the people that I admire and respect so much are the people that I really see walking it out, you know, and, and, and that it doesn't look perfect, but it does look real. And that to me has become the biggest thing is I think we want to know that the people we're listening to and the voices in our life are real and authentic um, and not just saying one thing and doing another. Hey friends, I just wanted to pop in real quick and let you know about something that's really important to me. You probably, like me, are looking to be taken care of well with your health insurance and make sure that is handled well. And so I am using Samaritan Ministries. That's SamaritanMinistries.org. They are believers in Jesus that are committed to sending financial gifts every month directly to the assigned member with a medical need, but it's more than just money and physical healing when there's a need. The Samaritan members pray for one another and for all the aspects of the members' needs and encourage one another by sending notes and cards, which I think is just super cool. Every month, there's more than 70,000 households that give to other members with a qualified medical need through Samaritan Ministries International, and it's one of the leading healthcare sharing ministries in America. So currently, Samaritan members give a monthly share starting at $100, depending on the age or household size. But members have never shared more than $495 a month for a family of any size, which I think is really, really reasonable. And it's just as significant to me that you get to send notes and cards and pray for the other people that are also using Samaritan Ministries. So if you are looking for coverage for yourself as a single person like me, whether you're self-employed or whether you're just looking for better coverage, I would really encourage you to check out SamaritanMinistries.org. To you, what's the best part of that being how you get to live your life and do ministry and do work right now? What's the best part of that? Because I think there's just, to me, it's like, I'm just me. Like there's no, there's no pretending, like there's no, um, there's no trying to be anything. And I think, you know, when you start off in this world and I mean, you and I know, like, I think it's so funny how, um, cause we met back at what she speaks in 2007. Is that right? At a seven, She Speaks conference? Yeah, I think it was seven. Yeah. So 10 years ago. Happy, happy decade. Yeah. Happy decade to us. Happy decade of friendship. But, and at that time, like that was when you were just about to move from Marietta to Nashville. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this, and probably like this poor little girl, like this is going to be really hard, you know, like, and you did it, like, you know, you did it and it worked out, but we kind of started this little ministry journey. I feel like at the same time, like it's our, our trajectory kind of has gone the same way. Like it started in the same time period. And so I think when you look over that, there's so many questions that come with that. like. 
who am I going to look up to? Who do I want to be like? Who do I want to, how do I want to do this? How do I want to walk this road? And I think God has been so faithful to me. And I know to you too, like to put people in your life where you're like, okay, this is what I want to be. And not that I want to be that exact person, but I want to walk my road with the same grace and humility and integrity that she's walked her road, whatever that road may be. And, um, and so I think that's hard, but I think in that you can wrestle with comparison sometimes where you're like, well, how come I'm not doing that? Well, how come I'm not part of this or how come I'm not whatever, but just realizing like, okay, there's a piece and I'm exactly where God wants me to be doing exactly what he's called me to be. And, and like for me in this stage of life with a daughter, who's a freshman in high school, who's my only daughter, I'm like, you know where I'm supposed to be at my house. Like that's where I'm supposed to be. Like in my, in my hometown, like doing this, like driving to soccer practice and all that stuff, because that's where my real life is happening. Yeah. And because th- that's the next thing I was going to ask you is what's the most expensive part of this, but that's it. It's the comparison. And to me, it's, I think I'm hearing you say that that is the hard part is there's comparison and there's vulnerability that you have to do and make the right choices for you, whether the internet agrees with you or not. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that there's always a, there's always a trade off, you know, but for me, I know that there are things that I don't want to miss. And there have been enough times where I have been gone and I missed something that I wished I hadn't have missed. And so I'm like, for me, I would, this is where I want to be right now. And, and it's trusting God with that to know, I mean, it's kind of like the, the missing $40 where you're like, you know what, I'm going to trust that that's going to work out in the end. Like I'm going to say no to this now. Um, and then I'm just going to trust that that's going to work out later and that it's going to all be okay. So, but it's hard sometimes, you know, and I think it's hard to not, I mean, I think because social media is so prevalent, I think it's hard to not compare and to look at what other people are doing and think, man, that looks like, that sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. Hey, there's a plug. That sounds like fun. (laughs) So, Right. And then, and then saying like, am I supposed to be doing that? Is that what doing this well looks like? Do I I find myself wrestling with that a lot when it comes to political conversations? Yes. Because I go like, I kind of know my spot in this and I know what I believe and I know the conversations I'm having in my real life because I'm watching these three other women be very vocal. Does that mean if I'm doing this right, I'm vocal? I don't know. I, and so I, I wrestle with that too of going like, and the question, you know, the dark hearted part of me goes, well, I get more applause if I'm vocal about this. And am I doing this for that? And But if I stay quiet, what does that mean? And if I say too much, what does that mean? I mean, and I would have none of that if we didn't have Twitter. <laughs> oh, Twitter is the whole, that's the whole thing. You wouldn't know what anybody, you wouldn't know what anybody was angry about. I wouldn't know anybody even was angry if it wasn't for Twitter. I mean, I wouldn't know that we had a problem. I would be like, I think everybody, I think life is good. I think everybody in the United States feels great about everything right now. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> right. And then the dumpster fire that is Twitter reminds you that that you're not even happy. I didn't even realize I wasn't happy until I read everyone else's tweets. Exactly. And now I'm mad. And so and I think that's it, too. And to me, that falls into another thing of like, I feel like what I have learned over the last especially five years, I think, is is Twitter has exploded and all that of like, I have to that's where I have to stay connected to God to make sure that I'm being true to who he's called me to be. And like, for me, I have very much felt like I know what my political opinions are. I know what my thoughts are on on so many things. I have also felt very much like those are not for me to put out on social media. Like, I think there are people that do that. I think there are people that are called to do that. I feel like for me, what God has said is if if people don't know your heart and they don't see you face to face, then that is not a, that's not what I want you to put out there. That's not your road. 
and I have to feel confident in that, you know, that I, I look and I, and I even look at Jesus and think he came in a day of so much political turmoil and unrest. And I was like, but that's not what he was focused on. He was focused on loving the people around him and on his community and on changing um, what was right in front of him. He wasn't worried about what he was going to do about Roman rule. That wasn't his you know, platform at the yeah, time. Yeah. I wrestle with that here too, because I feel so, I still live in Nashville, as you know. So whatever, whatever city I live in, whether it's here or somewhere else, I probably one of the top two or three things I want to do with my life is invest in the city I live in and make it a better place, you know? And so that may look like political involvement, but it probably looks more like partnering with the local church to serve the people in our community. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. And I think it's different because I think Nashville is such a, such like an up and coming and growing city and so young and so vibrant. And I think part of it is I laugh because I think my whole like ministry persona and like my life persona is so reflected by that. I live in San Antonio and like if San Antonio had a motto, it would be like, eh, you know, like, eh. <laughs> like, yep, we got the river walk. <laughs> yeah. Like whatever. I mean, we're always like, Gully and I always say, my best friend, we always are like, Austin's like, keep Austin weird. And we're like, keep San Antonio lame. That's our whole, like, we're, just, <laughs> we're like middle of the road. We aren't on top of any trends. We aren't interested in starting any trends. Like we're not in a hurry to do anything. Like, it's just like, yeah, here we are. Okay. So it just feels, it's a very laid back place. And so I think it contributes to just kind of my overall outlook on life, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And I think let's do talk about Church of the Small Things, because I do think that's your most recent book that's released. I mean, I think that's what you say in this book, right? Is like, it's the everyday things. It's the serving your community. It's the being at your house with your kids and your kids, people and your neighbors that are actually what makes the big differences. Yeah. I mean, I really do. It's funny because I thought, you know, so many people have said like, why church of the small things? And it was funny because I had written about motherhood and I'd written about marriage and all those things. And it became like, where am I right now? And I thought it is in the church of the small things. Like I was like, that's really what I believe in is like just loving my community, loving my family. I've always said like to me, if I don't get what's going on in the four walls of my house, right, then it doesn't really matter what I'm doing outside of that. Like if my marriage isn't solid, if my motherhood isn't solid, then the rest of it really doesn't matter to me. And I felt like there was all this talk and all this pressure. And a lot of it was me putting it on myself where I'm like, am I supposed to be changing the world? Like, am I supposed to be like adopting like 15 orphans and starting a conference and making sure that I only eat fair trade chocolate? And you know what I mean? Like all these things, which are all great things, which I believe some people are absolutely called to and they're doing that so well. But I kept trying to think, am I supposed to be? And I felt so clearly like God was saying, no, you're exactly where I want you to be. And I was like, that's really where I feel like 98% of us live. Like we don't have a platform. We aren't writing books. We aren't on social media doing blogs. We're posting pictures of our kids. Like we're going to class. We're in our office. And I'm like, that's where you change your world is like in your little corner of the world. And Um, when I wrote what ended up being the second chapter of the book, it was about my grandparents. And as I wrote about my grandparents, I thought they could not have lived a smaller life in terms of, I mean, they lived in like a two block area surrounded by all their friends and family. My grandmother never even had a driver's license. Like she never even drove a car. 
but they welcomed in their family. They loved us. They cooked meals for us. They nurtured us. And I look at like the long lasting legacy that that created. And I'm like, they had a big life. Like they had a huge impact. Um, And it didn't matter that they didn't do all these great things and that people didn't know their names. And I thought that's to me where God is really doing his most powerful work is where each of us are and where we're like dialed into our families and our communities and our schools and our workplaces, because those are the people we come in touch with every day, you know? Yeah. It made a ton of sense to me for you to write this book next because you have, I mean, really all of your books, which I think you're writing is truly one of the funniest writers out there. And especially writing in our space, I think you're absolutely the funniest and just so enjoyable to read, but your books really have been about your family and about like about Caroline, about P, about Gully. Like it's about the things that are really true to your everyday life. And so then to go like, hey, Church of the Small Things is about my actual life. And it's just, it really fits well in your library of books is what I'm trying to say. Thank you. I feel like it, it really, to me fits like, I'm like, if there is a, you know, and the funny thing was, is in the midst of writing that book, as I started it, not knowing we actually created and started like a community worship service church. That's, it's a literal. So it's like, we have a figurative church of small things and a literal church of small things. And so it's, so it's, I don't know why I say it's weird to me because that's the way God works, but it's just like the way that all came together is like, who would have known that God was going to do this? But I always feel like, you know how when you start to write a message, like I'm sure for you, like as you're writing 100 Days of Brave, you're like, well, I had no idea I was going to have to be this brave. Like I didn't know that God was actually going to call me on this message. So I laugh about that with the small things because I'm like, oh, I really am living in the small things. Like this really is where I'm called to be, but it feels like a good fit for me. Yeah. so yeah, talk about your church. Tell me about it. I I even love how small you are. I hope this sentence comes out right. How small you are when you talk about the church. Like you don't even go like, "Hey, everybody, come to our." You're like, "Here's what we do. Y'all are welcome." I mean, it's just a very like neighborhood invite. It's uh, so. Tell me a little bit about what made y'all even do that and what it looks like. It's you know, it's I don't know what made us do it. I mean, total insanity. Is, is what Perry made us do the it. pastor? I mean, is he the leader? Harry is the pastor. He's the leader. I mean, but here's what you need to know. This is not, this is what I tell people. This is why we call it community worship service. Cause we like to say it's not a church. It's a, it's a gathering that meets on Sunday mornings because church stresses us out. None of us, we're all volunteers. Like this is, we all have real jobs, but this is just something we do as a volunteer deal. None of us want to be in full-time ministry. Like none of us want this to be our job. It's such a kind of long story, so I'm going to try to condense it. But years ago, Perry was on staff at a church here in town, and he was got to be great friends with the worship one of the worship leaders there named August. And she's one of the most amazing worship leaders you'll ever hear and just so talented. And her husband's a guitarist. And so we had kind of connected with them but hadn't seen them in years. We were in the middle of kind of a church crisis because kind of in our neighborhood where we live, all the churches are really traditional. Like there's First Baptist, there's First Methodist, there's just everything's very formal. And we felt like there was a lack of just just practical, biblical teaching with like informal worship that just felt casual, you know, that just felt like anybody could walk in. Um And that was what we were wanting. And so we were really praying about that. And Caroline actually was the one that kept saying, we ought to just start it. And Perry and I were like, that's so sweet. God bless your heart. That's real sweet. But we're not going to do that like that. It's a lot of work. 
But then when August, we happened to run into her and she was like, I've really been praying. I feel called to leave where I'm leaving. I don't know what to do next, but I know I want to lead worship somewhere. And so like we said, why don't we start this like community worship service? And we really said, we're going to call it the 30 day experiment because we really thought we'll do it for 30 days and we'll stop. Um, And that's been like two and a half years ago. So we started it up and we meet at like a little, um, it's like a art center here that they let us, um, we pay rent. So that's our only expense. Um, We pay rent and it's just like in a little space. It's amazing to me though how God lines it up because August is a worship leader. Her husband's a guitarist. He's a sound guy. It's his job. So he sets up all our sound equipment. He handles all that tech aspect of it. They lead worship. Perry teaches most Sundays. I'll teach some Sundays. Caroline does childcare. I mean, we're like mom and pop RS church. I mean, that's, that's what we do. And some Sundays we'll have 50 and some Sundays we'll have 10. I mean, you just never know. But I feel like what we've become in a lot of ways, and it'll be interesting to see as God continues to, to morph it and change it because we didn't really know what to expect. I mean, that's kind of what all of us said is like, we're just coming to this with open hands. It'll just be what it's supposed to be. But I feel like it's almost been like an ICU for people who have been hurt by the traditional church and have needed a place to recover. Like they just needed a safe space. And so I think for them to come in and to feel like all we're doing is feeding you, like we've got worship and we've got a message, but there's nowhere for you to serve. We don't have ushers. There's no name tags. There's no small group. There's no nothing. Like this is what this is. It's just a community of believers. But it's really been cool because I feel like it's we've gotten to know people we never would have known that live like right in our area. Um, I think different people have come in. I feel like it's served different needs in people's lives. I think we've had people who had gone through a divorce and felt like they had to leave their old church and didn't know where to go. So we became like a safe space for them to land. So yeah, so here we are. I mean, but when people are like, it's funny because I sat down with one of the ladies who's been coming and she's older than us. And she was like, I mean, so what's your like five-year vision? And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. We don't really have a five-day vision. Like we're meeting this Sunday. Yeah, we know we're doing this Sunday. Yeah, we'll be there this Sunday. And then that's uh, beyond that, probably the next Sunday too. But we're just, I mean, we're just kind of going wherever God leads. So it's like our non-traditional little church. So you aren't attending a different church and doing this on top. This is what, this is y'all's gospel community in your life. Yeah, this is our gospel community. Yeah, this is what we do. So this is, yeah, so this is where we are. So, um, and then, you know, and then we do, you know, we've got our own little Bible studies and like August leads worship for another women's Bible study that's here in San Antonio. So we're plugged in in different areas, but like this is our, it's our church. I mean, it really has become our church and our community. And I feel like in ways, because for us, where we were going to church was about 45 minutes away from where we lived and we loved it, but we just weren't connected there because you drove so far out, you went and then we'd come back home. And I'm like, so it's made us become connected in a way that we wouldn't have been otherwise. Like, and I thought it was so like, even like the week my book came out, like August sent out a group text to like 10 of the women who are faithful to come. And like those 10 women like committed to pray for me like that whole week. And I thought, wow, this is a way like I've never been connected in a church body before, you know, even though I've been part of churches for years, but just to that level and that depth where you feel that known. So it's been pretty amazing. It's good. I mean, I'm giving you the beautiful version. I mean, the, the truth is, is that there have been times that I've hated it. I mean, like when we started it, it's, you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, ministry to makes a part of you that you didn't know how selfish you could be. And I mean, mm. like true story, I've had some Sundays where I've been driving to church going, I hate this so much. I hate it so much. Right. 
God, if you want us to keep doing this, you're going to need to make me love it. You're going to need to change my heart because today I hate it. Like it's like, I just, so it's not all roses, but it's been, it's been fun. And it's really brought um, just amazing people in our lives. So that's, that's what we're doing. And I think that's, you know, and I think that's what people are starting to ask is like, because I think some churches do it really well. And I think in some ways the church has failed and it's, it, it hasn't ministered to the people who've needed ministering to the most in a lot of ways. So um, we try to open up our doors and be a place where everybody feels safe. Man, that's beautiful. And it's just in your neighborhood in San Antonio, like it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's it's just in our, yeah, it's at our little art studio and we set up chairs and make our coffee and you know, that's what we do. So we get tacos on the first Sunday of every month. We have communion and community. We pick up breakfast tacos. So come for communion, eat a breakfast taco. It's a whole thing. I love it. That's so beautiful. I totally love it. Has it pushed up against or reinforced where you feel like women are meant to lead in the church or are allowed to lead in the church? That to me is a whole thing that I don't feel like I've ever really understood. I mean, I know there's like a whole debate, but I think because I grew up, I'm such a spiritual mutt and like grew up Catholic and then was assembly of God for a while and then went to a Methodist church and then went to Baptist church. I don't think I've ever been like, I'm like, if women get up and teach, I mean, like whatever, like, cool. I don't know. I just, and I feel like that's maybe that's San Antonio. We're like, man, I mean, because nobody's like Melanie's going to get up and speak. Like that's not even a thing, you know, it just is what it is. And I mean, and I don't feel like for me, I've never, like, I don't feel the need to say like, oh, I preach or I'm a preacher or whatever. I don't care because I just, I think to me that feels like, and this is maybe this is more my hang up where I'm like, well, if I had like my master's in theology from somewhere, but I'm like, what am I? I mean, I just read the Bible. So, I mean, I'm just up there just talking. I'm just trying to tell you something that I think I know. So That's how I feel about people. T- like when I take August off saying it's a sabbatical, I'm like, listen, 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 I'm on vacation. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> I have not earned a sabbatical for nothing. So yeah. Sabbatical doesn't really so much. Let's be honest. In a lot of ways, my whole life feels a little bit like a sabbatical because I get to stay in my pajamas. That's so, right. I you know, work in my pajamas more days than I don't. So I live that sabbatical life. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. So anyway, so yeah, so that's our, that's our, so that's the literal and figurative church of small things. Oh, so, I love yeah. it. Tell me what you're most excited about about Christmas. What do you love about this season? Oh, I love everything. I really, to me, I think for us at this stage of life, because we're so busy, to me, what I love is just the downtime. Like I love to look and think that we've got two weeks of like nothing, but just like staying up late and watching movies and being together as a family. And, you know, I always get us like a thousand piece puzzle that we work on. I mean, nerd alert, but like that's our I love puzzles, you know, like that to me is I just, I love those. I love those late nights. I love just the time with family and friends and just like no schedule because I feel like that's what nobody tells you about having a high schooler is like, she pretty much puts us to bed every night, you know, like she's <laughs> like, good night, mom and dad. Like, you're like, Oh, okay. <laughs> so Okay, thanks. <laughs> you know, so it's just, I look forward to like just the downtime and being with friends and family. What about you? Oh gosh, I have decorated my tree different this year than I've ever done before. I needed okay, wait, a little- Is your tree decorated? Are you telling me your tree is decorated? No, 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 not yet. Not at recording time, but by the oh. time people hear this, okay. it will be decorated. Thank you. Um, gracious. No, but I am putting it up this weekend for sure. Well, I can't. Okay. Good for because you. Because I okay. go out of town for Thanksgiving. I want it to be good to go by the time I get back. 
Gotcha. Yeah, I get you. That so, makes sense. That makes um, sense. But you know, Mel, I just kind of decided that this year, every it started last year, so twice now, I've needed to do a little something different to not feel like I'm having a Groundhog Day experience in my life. Of like, here comes Thanksgiving and Christmas and you're still not married and you have the same ornaments on your tree and you decorate your mantle the same. And my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> the, the classic Christmas experience. Sure, right, yeah. right. Similar to many other Christmas experiences around the nation. So last year I did Christmas cards for the first time. You got one, I believe. I did. Um, now that you said that. Of me and all of my friends' kids. And so this year I got all new, really cheap decorations for my tree and didn't put any of my memorable ornaments up instead. Um, I just thought this year, what, what sounds fun to me is having a new look for the holiday because it isn't Groundhog Day. God has not forsaken me. <laughs> and because I am like a, I care about memories and I have a little bit of a, I just have all my ornaments mean something to me. And it felt more painful than joyful this year to decorate my tree with them. Okay. Okay. And didn't some of yours, am I remembering that you had a flood? Didn't some of them get yes. wet? Didn't you? Yes. Okay. You're exactly right. I lost a ton of them about four years ago. And um, yeah, not a ton, but I did. Li I, li I lost probably half of them because yeah, the my basement flooded and the very safe Tupperware container I had them in had a hole in the bottom. So it just filled up. It just filled up with water. And I didn't know. And so it filled up with water from the summer until I was ready to decorate for Christmas. Uh, oh, it was brutal. Uh, it was super brutal. That's terrible. So this year I just decided like, let's do a theme tree. I don't have multiple trees in my house. I have one. And so that's what I've been most excited about is like, maybe it's part of me. No, it's not. I was about to say, maybe it's part of me avoiding pain. It's not avoiding pain. It's recognizing that there is some pain around this season for me. And the way that I will look at the pain and see the pain, but still find a way to celebrate is to do some things different than I've ever done before. And so that looked like buying a bunch of cute Target ornaments that were all the same, all golds and silvers, and just doing a totally different tree. Okay. I love that. Does that I sound insane to you? No, that doesn't okay. sound insane to me because I really think Here's what I think. And I'm la I'm laughing to myself because I'm like, my my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's like the lesser known Hallmark Christmas movie. Thank you. you know? Thank like, you. <laughs> coming soon on the Hallmark channel. <laughs> my God, my God, why have you forsaken right? me? But I do think that for everybody, to me, whether you're married, whether you're single, wherever you are in life, I think that there are different things or different places in our life where there is some pain involved, but or you know, or just some hurt or some disappointment or whatever that is. But I, I almost feel like it's kind of just acknowledging and embracing like this is where I am right now. Like, you know, like I just look and go, this is this is where I am in this season. And this season isn't going to always be this season, but it's where I am now. But it's like, if you can find the joy and the, um, and the excitement and some measure of contentment in that, I just, I think that's a better, healthier place to be. And it doesn't that's have to be some major do. thing, but right. I think like going and doing something that's going to make you happy is like, that's a good little like happy thing to do. I mean, it's a small thing, right? Like I'm not going to spend Christmas in Paris, right? Like I'm not doing something massive though. If anyone wants me to invitation well, extended, sure. take me, <laughs> but, um, but more, I thought what's something I can do in the life I already have to switch things up just enough that it feels joyful. Even when I ch have to choose it a little bit. And so I just remember last year, right before Thanksgiving, I thought, I may drown this year. 
This may, I may not be able to do it. This may, this may be too much pain for me. And so then I really had to process, okay, so what can you do? What's a move you can make? You're allowed to feel that pain. You should feel that pain and process that pain with your counselor and your people. But you also need to figure out how not to drown. And so for me, it was sending out Christmas cards and going like, this is not something only families get to do. I can do this. And I can sell it. And so now I will do it again this year. And I will have a different decorated tree. That was my next step. Yeah. Yeah. And I think to me that ties into like, I mean, that was to me so much of the church of small things was that so many times I feel like we wait for that big thing is going to be the thing that makes a difference in our life. You know, it's the graduation, it's the new job, it's the promotion, it's the, we keep holding out these things. And then I think you get to that thing and you're like, well, that was good, but now I'm still the same person, you know, like I'm still, everything that makes me, me is still me. So it's like trying to find like, what are the small joys and what are the small ways that I can find my contentment and find my joy wherever I am instead of constantly looking of like, it's got to be this like landmark thing. That's going to be the thing that changes me because I just feel like anytime those landmark things have happened in my life that I had set up as the end all be all. I'm like, that's good. But like, I mean, I'm not, it's not like all of a sudden I'm walking around with like, or like a real office with like leather bound books and stuff, you know, I'm still just, I've still just got boxes of books that aren't labeled in my playroom. That's right. That's right. I'm forty dollars poorer than I probably should be. So, right, I know, I know. That's I. I say my friends and I talk about that a lot. This idea that humans are wanters and we're always going to want something. Yeah. And so yeah. instead of expecting getting the thing to change your life, go ahead and change your life. And then you may get the thing or you may not. But either way, if what you actually need is to feel something different than you're feeling, yeah, you need to just figure out what that is. That doesn't have anything to do about because when I get the next thing I want, there's going to be the next thing I want. Oh, for sure. That's it. And I think the worst thing you can do is like sit around in some immobility of like, I'm just not going to do anything until that thing happens, because then you're just you're just sitting there like watching life go by. And it's like, you know, take charge of what you can take charge of and then you know, the rest is what it is. So yeah, that's right. Send some Christmas cards. That's right. Send some Christmas <laughs> yeah. cards, get some ornaments. I mean, do whatever. Cause I mean, I think the truth is, is Christmas. I mean, Christmas at its, this is, you're going to be like, I'm going to change this. She's not going to be on the Christmas podcast. You're going to rename this podcast. But I'm like, <laughs> Christmas really is a big setup for disappointment and heartbreak. I mean, it really, at its core. I mean, I feel like if everybody's honest, there is this, because I think I felt like I had Christmases where even when Caroline was little and we were doing like the whole thing, like I, in my mind, because I came from divorced parents. And so I couldn't wait to have like my family Christmas in my living room. And it was going to be so magical and it was just going to be insane or whatever. And like, I remember the Christmas that Caroline was two and I went out and spent an absurd amount of money on that pink retro pottery barn kitchen. And like, I built it up as like the end all be all and like Caroline walked into the living room and I mean, it could not have been more anticlimactic. I mean, it was like, uh, and then like, she just like sat down on the floor with her pacifier. There was like, no. And I'm like, where's the magic? Where is what's, where is my magical Christmas? But it's like, we set this stuff up in our mind. And I'm like, she would have been just as happy with like a box. Her favorite gift that year was like a stuffed dinosaur that Perry had bought her at the last minute. And I mean, like the Pottery Barn kitchen sat and rotted. It was like, so it's like we build up this stuff and I just think that you have to kind of, I don't know, maybe deal in reality and just find your, you know, in the reality of where you yeah. are. Because the other option is you put your head down and say, I will survive this month and then I'll take a deep breath in January and I won't have to feel this anymore. 
And that doesn't work either for me. I tried one of those and that doesn't work either. That doesn't bring joy. That just, you just go, okay, I can make it. I'm going to survive. This isn't what I thought. I'm prepared for all the disappointment. I'm prepared for the sad feeling. And I'll be through this in just 30 days. It's like, no, no, no. There's a better way. Feel your pain, but find joy. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. I think you were on the right track. I think that the ornaments are key, Annie Downs. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> hey, so the last question we always ask on the podcast is what sounds fun to you right now in your regular day? Tell me something that sounds fun. It can be no budget limit, no calendar limit. What sounds fun to you? Oh my gosh. No budget limit. Um, yes, you can do whatever you want. You know what sounds fun to me right now? What I'm craving is like a girl's weekend away is what sounds fun to me right now. Oh, yeah. If I could do anything, I've just been in such a busy season and I feel like my time with my friends has been in bits and pieces just because we're all so busy. And I feel like most of my closest friends are all in that stage of life where we all have teenagers. So our lives are run by them. So like the idea of like a getaway, I don't even care where it is. Like if we could just go to like a bed and breakfast, like in the hill country somewhere and just spend a weekend, like in our pajamas, like laughing and talking and doing yeah. life, that, that would be yeah. my ideal right now. That would be, oh. that would be my dream. So, okay. um, yeah, that's what I would go for. Would you have a chef there to cook? Absolutely. I would have a chef there. Yes. You know what I would not have there is a yoga instructor. I don't want anybody no. <laughs> to lead us any kind of workout. Thank you. Do you know, I had dinner last night with some friends and, and they are not as bougie as this conversation is going to sound, but it was <laughs> so funny to me because the mom says, and they have like a third grade daughter and a four-year-old son. And the mom's standing in the kitchen. There's a handful of us all at this house. And the mom's in the kitchen. She's like, okay, here's what we had to do for the just the back half of this year. They're renovating their house. She's like, we have a chef that does a couple of meals for us a couple of weeks. Both parents work, whatever. And we're all like, okay, nice life. Okay, you have a chef. And the little girl scoots by me on a, a scooter. And, and I say, oh, my gosh, your toenails are so cute. And she says, Annie, you have to get a pedicure from Tony. He's the only one who does it right. <laughs> and then I was like, looked at the mom. I was like, listen, y'all are living too high on the hog. You're talking about your personal chef and your third grader has a pedicurist by name. <laughs> like, Tony, you have to go to Tony. Tony. <laughs> and it had like flowers on it, right? Like a third grader would get. It was like a flower on each big toe. And she's like, you've got to go to Tony. <laughs> That is so funny. You're like, did I just stumble into Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? What is happening? What could I be that lucky? One last thing. I was laughing because I thought on Real Housewives, I can tell I'm craving girlfriend time because I've been watching that show and as dysfunctional as their trips are, I'm like, look how fun it would be to get away with some girlfriends. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Screaming at each other. If you can just control your desire to fight with other women, you can have a great housewives trip. You could go to Iceland and have an amazing time with the Vikings. Yeah, Turks and Caicos. I feel like they own property at Turks and Caicos. Andy Cohen must. For sure. Maybe we can work that out for next Christmas. That's right. That's the goal for next Christmas. Awesome. Oh, Mel, I love you. Thanks for being on the show. I love you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I mean, didn't y'all just love Melanie? I'm sure most of you know who she already is. And maybe you already listened to their podcast, the Big Boo podcast. But man, I just think she's the best. Make sure you pick up Church of the Small Things this Christmas for some women in your life that you just want to sit and talk with the simple things about. She is just um, incredibly gifted. All of her books are great. So I think you would love them. Hey, I just want to give you a heads up about something. My book, 100 Days to Brave, we have partnered with Barnes & Noble. If you want to give a copy of 100 Days to Brave to someone this year, 
year for Christmas and you want it autographed, head to my blog and you can see how to do that thanks to Barnes & Noble. So just go to AnnieFDowns.com backslash blog and look for the post on getting a signed book plate and we will get that for you as long as you let us know before December 20th. If you get a chance, it would be great if you take just a second and review the podcast and subscribe. If you are new to listening to us, we have fun podcasts coming. Trust me, stuff is going to drop that is not going to be on Thursday. You guys, I just have surprises for you. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss a single part of our Christmas party this year. Hey, and if you need me, I'm embarrassingly easy to find Annie F. Downs on everything. F as in fancy or fa-la-la-la-la or the first Noel. <laughs> I can do all sorts of Christmas things. It's Annie F. Downs, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. That's my website. If you need to find me, that is the best way to do it. Just go to AnnieFDowns.com. I hope you guys are having a great December so far. And I look forward to seeing you next week at the Christmas party. Christmas party.